New on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, here's surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. In my last video, I mentioned I was going to meet up with Joshua, Mr. Scratch's former handler. And that's what I did. We had agreed to meet at 12 p.m. at his place. Now, I'm not a shy person. I used to be. But that is a past long behind me. Even though I consider myself rather brave, I admit my fingers were shaking a little when I pressed them down on Joshua's doorbell. About ten seconds later, a lady in what looked to be her late thirties opened the door. She eyed me up and down and before sighing deeply and pushing the door wide open, motioning for me to come in. You must be from that wretched park, she grunted. Come on in. Joshua's waiting for you in the living room. I offered her a polite smile as I stepped inside, which she promptly ignored. She pointed at a doorway ahead, and I walked past her into the living room of the small cottage-style home. While it did look rather cozy, I noticed a general sickliness hanging over the interior. Every single piece of furniture somehow managed to look worn and tired in its own special way. The place reminded me a lot of what I would feel like entering my grandparents' home as a kid. It felt like a place that would belong to an elderly person, not to a couple in their thirties. Next to the couch in front of the TV, which was humming away at a low volume, was a man sitting in a wheelchair. Upon noticing me, he waved me over, flashing me a wide, warm smile. Well, hello there, he exclaimed cheerfully. Won't you look at that? And here I was, thinking I'd never see any of the doomed souls slaving away in that park again. He said this in a happy, joking voice, but in light of the recent events, I could not help but shudder a bit. Joshua, I assume, I said, offering him my hand. He grabbed it firmly and gave it a fierce shake, which, I admit, I didn't really expect from his rather gentle appearance. Then again, this man used to be the monster tamer for years before me, so I guess it's just natural that he has a lot of leftover strength. Exactly, young lady. You know, I don't think the park has had a female monster tamer before. He laughed out loud, his voice trailing off pensively. Oh well, guess there's a first time for everything. And judging by that handshake of yours, you're probably doing just fine. He chuckled and reached up to pat me on the shoulder. Please, take a seat, right here. He pointed to the edge of the couch next to his wheelchair, and I sat down, instantly sinking about ten inches deeper as the old, weary cushion gave in underneath me. So, Joshua took a deep breath as he leaned forward. What can I do for you? My eyes traveled down his body, to the two stumps left of his legs. One was a bit longer than the other, but both ended just above where the knee would have been. The former tamer must have noticed it, since he grinned and said, Ah, I should have known. 
I turned my head, mumbling an apology for staring so impolitely. I don't mind. Stare at them all you want. So, I have been trying to find out about the not-actor's origins. My co-workers and I have been doing quite a lot of research. I found myself unsure of how to describe how I felt about his missing legs. It's hard to believe Mr. Scratch did this, I finally muttered. Joshua nodded. I know, right? He had always been so friendly. He really does grow on one, doesn't he? By the way, excuse my wife's icy demeanor, but to her, everything that has to do with the park is evil. Took me long enough to convince her to let you come over. To her, the park is where her husband lost his legs and nothing else. And to you? I asked. What is the park to you? He smiled. It's where I spent eight years of my life working. I am still fond of it, in a way. And admittedly, I miss Mr. Scratch. Even though he ate, like, 30% of my body. I don't hold any grudges. I don't think he knew what he was doing. So? I inquired, curiously leaning over to him. How did it happen? Joshua grinned broadly. Sit back, girly, for you're about to hear a most tragic tale, he told me in a dramatic voice, making me giggle a bit. It was a day like any other. I came in early to feed Mr. Scratch and, you know, play with him a little. I remember meeting Dale on the way and talking to him. I've known Dale for a long time. I even knew the manager before him. That was his dad, by the way. Two years into me working there, his old man retired and Dale filled his position. The two of them were really alike back then already, but if you ask me, Dale's even surlier than him. Anyways, I come in, let the big guy out of his cage and all goes according to plan. Then the visitors start flooding the park and from then on, everything goes wrong all of a sudden. I don't know why. But that day, there was just some real jerks among them. Some of the kids began to hop around Mr. Scratch, and they were kind of pulling on his fur and shouting like crazy. I tried to scare them off a little, but they stuck around. Visitors aren't allowed to touch us, and it was already like that back then. But those children apparently didn't care, and neither did their parents. Sure, they were kids, and the visitors all think Mr. Scratch is just some guy in a costume so I guess they didn't mean any harm. But I noticed he was getting uncomfortable. He was trembling a little, and just had this nervous vibe to him. Still, I obviously couldn't drop the front, so I tried to get away from them as far as possible. But, well, no luck. When those brats finally got a move on, Scratchy was so nervous and jumpy, I thought I'd better take him back to his shelter, where it's a bit quieter. So he could relax, you know? Thankfully, there were no visitors around the funhouse next to Scratch's cage then. There were renovations going on there, so that part of the section was closed off completely. There were these view blockers where it was fenced off, so nobody saw what happened to me. Joshua's smile had slowly faded. He swallowed audibly. I let him behind the view blockers. It was completely deserted. Once behind the fencing, I let him off his leash. And that's where I made my mistake. I accidentally dropped it and had to step forward to pick it up. 
I was a bit tired myself, so I must have overlooked that Scratch has suddenly placed his pawn my way. Next thing I know, he lets out a howl of pain and I realized that I was standing on it. Tense and nervous as he was, this must have been what gave him the rest. He lost it. It's all a blur. I was completely overwhelmed when it happened. I feel his teeth in my leg and he... He flings me up into the air, but I don't fall back down. He's caught me by my other leg and I feel his fangs sink deeper and deeper into my flesh. And then there's this crunching sound and... And the pain is blinding, but it was only for a few seconds. Then I lost consciousness. I came to in the hospital. My wife was there, and so was Dale. I remember my wife yelling at him with tears in her eyes. He lied to the medical staff, told them I had had an accident at the renovation site. Probably had given them some money, too. At least I believe he did. No one ever asked any questions. My wife later said she wanted to try and file a lawsuit or something, but I told her to leave the park alone. It would be no use anyways. The park never has to face legal issues. It's always been like that. I had listened intently. I'm very sorry for that. All of that. I hope you're doing all right. Joshua smiled softly. Always have been. Of course, it wasn't easy at first. Still isn't. I don't know. I'm just glad to be alive, you know. It could have been much worse. While he had seemed cheerful at first, he was now looking rather sad, and I instantly felt bad for making him retell his experience. Maybe he hadn't wanted to after all. I decided to drop it. You said something interesting earlier. That Dale took over his father's job? I didn't know that. Is the whole park family run by any chance? Joshua let out a laugh. Hey, you bet. If Dale ever mentions upper management, he's talking about his aunts, uncles, and grandparents. All of that. You're kidding, I replied, eyes wide. How do you know? I did some research back then. I was curious, just like you, you know? I think Dale never mentions it because him and his folks... Don't want us to know that the park is a family matter. I mean, usually that's just something people know about their workplace, right? Definitely. But why do you think he keeps it a secret? Joshua frowned. My bet is that it has something to do with the monsters. I, I, guess, I guess that's nothing new. It all has to do with the monsters in some way. He grew silent, and the look in his eyes became contemplative. I stopped caring when I lost my job there. I'll never return anyway, so why bother? Is there anything else I should know? Anything important you can tell me? Joshua lifted his head and looked me in the eyes. Just one thing. I want you to be careful. While I think it's great someone actually seems to be making progress with their investigations of the park for once, Lord knows many have failed. We can't say for sure where this will go. Stick to the facts and only to the facts. Proceed with an open mind. Don't be too suspicious of someone who might seem like bad news. You never know when they might save your ass. I took a deep breath. I think Dale might be turning people into pretenders, I blurted out. 
The man next to me regarded me with silent interest. I swallowed and went on. My co-workers and I talked to some of the not-actors. Like, we, we tried and we have reason to believe that they might have been, you know, normal people at some point. Okay, considering what you said earlier, it would probably be Dale's whole family who turns them and not only him. But do you think that could be where they come from? That's quite an accusation. Do you really think Dale's family would have a reason to do such a thing? Joshua asked sternly. Maybe it's about money, I argued. The people don't visit the park to see the pretenders, though. Sure, having actors and all makes it more unique and fun, but I doubt they are the main source of its income. He had a point. Well, it doesn't have to be about money. Maybe it's for some other reason we don't know yet. Did you know someone from the park by the name of Laurel by any chance? I asked him, to which Joshua frowned and shook his head no. All right. I guess that's all, then. Thank you for your help. I'm sure you weren't too keen on talking to me. Joshua's friendly smile suddenly returned. Don't be silly. I really wanted to meet the new tamer. Tell Darius I said hi. On my way home, I took some time to think about what he had said. I remembered my first days on the job, how it all just weirded me out so much. At first, I could hardly believe any of the things I was so suddenly confronted with were actually happening. From one second to the next, I was standing in this strange, surreal land of candy, glamour, sand, and spook, holding a leash attached to something I'd never thought I would encounter outside of the realm of my nightmares. I don't know when exactly I got used to it. Maybe it began when I met my colleagues and befriended them, or when I started to think of Mr. Scratch like a pet. Anyways, at some point I must have stopped feeling scared of it all. I wondered if it had been the same with Joshua, when he had first started to work at the park. Of course, I still went in to work later on. My conversation with the former tamer had put me into a bit of a melancholy, and I was feeling quite tired. But someone has to feed the fluffy monster. Plus, I had made a mental note to try and talk to Nathan. I think he knows more than he's letting on. When I arrived at the park, it somehow felt even more empty and deserted than usual. I slipped in through the employee entrance, as always, and made my way over to the break room, where the sock puppet is currently lodging. The undead nurse is still locked in Mr. Scratch's cage. I already told Darius that this is no permanent solution, and that he, at some point, will have to let her out again. But he was understandably reluctant to do so. I think he's still a bit shaken from the incident with the key. I have therefore allowed him to use the cage for one more day, meaning that he will have to set her free again tomorrow. I promised him I would be there with him, so I would be able to help him in case she would lash out at him again. I have a feeling it's going to be fun. After feeding and petting him a little, I decided to go look for the stagecoach. To my surprise, the sock puppet seemed to set aside his laziness for me seeing as he followed me to the Wild West section. Fortunately, Nathan was just steering the carriage past the entrance to Twinvale Point when we arrived. I hurried to run after him. Wait, I called out. Nathan! The drumming of hooves on the ground came to a stop. When I caught up with the stagecoach, I noticed a familiar figure perched atop its roof. Not sure who to address first, 
I motioned for Nathan to give me a moment. The cowboy was staring down at me with a void look in his eyes. He looked thoughtful. I remember thinking I had never seen him like this before. I blinked up at him, using my hand to shield my eyes from the light of the setting sun. He wasn't smiling or showing his teeth, and for once, there was no black saliva dripping from the corner of his mouth. If I squinted, I could almost ignore the large deformity in his upper lip. For a moment, a very short moment, he looked almost like a completely ordinary person. Hey, I said, not sure how else to greet him. He didn't react, merely continued to stare at me blankly. About yesterday, I didn't mean to upset you. I don't know what it was exactly that got you so angry or sad or whatever, but it really wasn't my intention. Swallowing my apprehension, I cleared my throat and asked, Are we good? He seemed to think for a few seconds before he bit his lip and nodded. Good, I muttered. That's... That's a relief. His lips curled ever so slightly and I let go of a breath I didn't know I was holding. Walking up to Nathan, I greeted him politely. The stench of his blanket hit me instantly and I tried not to wrinkle my nose at it. I was wondering if I could ask you some questions, I explained. Nathan looked at me, then over at Mr. Scratch, who was standing by my side. Try it, he said in that low, husky voice of his. See if I answer. Okay, I bit my lip, thinking for a little while. What do you know about the park? That's a very vague question, Nathan replied. I know a whole lot of things about the park, but I don't think they'll be of any use to you. He almost sounded like he was mocking me. He glanced up at the roof of the carriage, above him where the cowboy was still sitting, watching us attentively. Maybe I don't even want to talk to you. But, my voice trailed off as he motioned for me to back off. If I were you, I'd get away from the stagecoach now. The sun's about to set. A thin smile I had never seen on him before began to spread on his lips, and he clicked his tongue. Giddy up! he called out, cracking the reins. The horses neighed loudly before dashing off. The laughing cowboy held onto the edge of the roof, starting to chuckle joyously as the carriage set into motion. I was left alone with the sock puppet, staring after them. Later at home, I did as some of you advised me, and attempted to research the name the diva had given us, Laurel. In short, my search yielded no valuable results. There are no missing person cases from anyone by that name in this area, or anything like that. Or at least I couldn't find any. All in all, while Dale is still very, very suspicious in my opinion, I want to heed Josh's advice and proceed with an open mind. After all, I haven't forgotten about the key yet either, and who knows where that will lead us. I guess it's best to be ready for just about anything right now.